1: The Matthew Wright Show on Crucible of Broadcast Excellence, Talk Radio. Put it on and keep it on too busy to catch us on the afternoons on talk radio too many children to care for too many jobs to manage well never fear help is here in the shape of the matthew wright podcast where we cut down three hours of entertainment and enlightenment every afternoon into tiny bite-sized morsels just for you you're busy so-and-so so sit back and enjoy the best of the matthew wright show here on talk radio uh, with um, newspapers variously accusing our Home Secretary Pretty Patella of being a bully or not being a bully, depending on which title you read. Um, as I said earlier, there are bigger fish to fry in her department, the Home Office, which has been branded institutionally racist, apparently. I say that. Uh, today's Times claims those two words relating to the hostile environment created towards migrants, uh, those two words have apparently been... Uh, to Windrush migrants. Those two words have apparently been removed from an early draft of Wendy Williams' report. Williams uh, is our Inspector of Constabulary. She's leading the Windrush review. Um, The fallout from that hostile environment programme, you led to the resignation of Amber Rudder's Home Secretary back in 2018. The report has been seen by some officials, but uh, ministers haven't been allowed to read it. It's going through the process where uh, those um, ministers and officials that that have been criticised get a chance to respond. Um, it's phrases, though, like institutionally racist, those two words that, that, for me, always evoke the Met police's sort of dire investigation into the uh, 1993 murder of uh, black teenager Stephen Lawrence. The fact that those two words have been removed is a worry for some. I mentioned um, David Lammy, the Labour MP. He's uh, He's gone public and says he fears that Williams' findings are going to be watered down for political reasons. But curiously, the former Equalities Chair, Trevor Phillips, is, is much more circumspect. I'm saying the phrase, Institutionally racist is sort of being used as as a weapon to beat, to unfairly beat the Home Office with. The truth must be out there somewhere. I'm rather hoping uh, my guest, Bella Sankey, uh, Director of Detention Action, Human Rights Organisation, may be able to help. She joins us on the line now. Good afternoon, Bella.
0: Good good afternoon.
1: Um, Are you worried about this report?
0: I'm really worried that the report has yet still not been published. It's over Um, a
1: year, oh, it's nearly a year late now.
0: Exactly, um, and there are some really important lessons and findings that I think the public deserves to see. Windrush is a, a scandal that shook this nation to its core uh, at the time. Government accepted that things had gone really badly wrong, as you mentioned. Amber Rudd was forced to resign. There can be no debate that, 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 that things have gone wrong, and that lessons need to be learned that that 's why this whole Um, review was set up in the first place. But the Home Office does itself no favours by continually delaying, continuing to take this very defensive approach uh, and not holding its hands up and saying, you know, yeah, things have gone wrong, we need to change.
1: Um, I don't want to sound too cynical, Bella, but when you hear about inquiries into government cock-ups and they go into report stage. Um, I can't be the only one who isn't surprised that the report is nearly 12 months late and that it's being edited along the way and the only reason we've got anything to go on really is is from leaks. Uh, Channel 4 uh, did some quite helpfully before Christmas. um, It seems to be almost a tactic, doesn't it?
0: I think that's right. And I think with this particular department, we mustn't forget that there are currently at least five other outstanding reports that have been done by independent inspectors that, right? that they're currently sitting on. I didn't know um, that. Gosh. Yeah. So this is just, you know, this is just one of many. Um, and I think, it, you know, it's deeply problematic. I think what government doesn't doesn't get is that the public are after truth and honesty. Uh people understand that, that things go wrong in government and that mistakes are made. Um, of course, that doesn't put things right for the, for the many people that have been so badly affected by Windrush and related issues. But at the very least, the, the government now owes the British public honesty and transparency and some contrition. And if it's not prepared to do that, I think I think the department will find that the scandal will just grow well, and grow.
1: I was going to say, I mean, I, I've had a number of people uh, speak on the show in recent weeks who, who would say that the Windrush scandal is far from resolved, that uh, that, uh, it, that various promises that were made to those migrants haven't yet been delivered and so forth. So it, it's a scandal. I mean, it's almost presented uh, by the media as a scandal that's been dealt with, and this is the inquiry into the failings at the time. But I think you could say that the scandal hasn't actually even been resolved yet.
0: I think that's quite right. Um, there are There are many people that are the victims of... Uh, windrush from that generation who still haven't been contacted to see um, how they've been affected and whether they are owed compensation. The compensation scheme is kind of grinding along at a a glacial pace. There is still so so much that is unresolved. The deportation flight to Jamaica last week, I think, exemplified this. We know of at least two people that were deported that have very clear windrush links and that may have a claim to be in the UK. So, it's quite feasibly the case that deportations are still taking place that shouldn't. Yes. Um, because of Windrush. So you're so right, Matthew, to say that this problem has not been sorted. And I would really, I would really urge and caution the Home Secretary to be very careful. She's on very, very dodgy well, ground right now.
1: Can, can, I mean, if we start joining the dots, okay? So, so Wendy Williams' report, we believe, we understand, originally contained the words that the Home Office was institutionally racist. If we extrapolate from that. Could we start asking ourselves why the report hasn't been published, why these things haven't been done, why words are being removed and edited? Could it... I mean, I know the report is supposed to be independent, but you can't help but wonder whether it taps into this thought, this, this view that the Home Office itself is racist.
0: I think that's an inevitable conclusion. I mean, people uh, that are carrying out this review would not be um, using words like that lightly. I think there is overwhelming evidence... Uh, that there is an institutional problem with racism in the Home Office. Uh, you can see that from the evidence of the Windrush scandal, the way in which policies have been passed and upheld that um, have a, ha, ha, have such a disproportionately uh, negative effect on black and minority ethnic people in this country. And indeed, the whole mandate of the Home Office, the way it operates, uh, at the, the target-driven culture that's all about Supporting people and asking questions later is inevitably going to give rise to uh, racism. There's no escaping that. Um, And I think it's really short-sighted of the Home Office to think that this is another situation they can just kind of, uh, you know, wait it out or or, or try and defend itself out of. There needs to be honesty.
2: The Matthew Wright Show on Talk Radio.
1: We're discussing um, the death of Harry Dunn and the failure thus far by the UK government to bring the woman uh, believed to be responsible and secure to justice here in the UK. Rad Seiger, a neighbour, knew new Harry from the age of two, is, is with us and talking us through it. Just before the break, you were telling us, Rad, that you don't really buy the diplomatic immunity line. You say it doesn't stand to scrutiny. I, I assume that anybody who came over here working for the U, any foreign government had some kind of immunity uh, and that, for good or bad, is the way it is.
2: So people here in London working out of embassies, foreign embassies, will be diplomats and they will have diplomatic immunity. RAF Croughton is about 70 miles outside of London. they are spies there. They're not diplomats. So, I, I, <laughs> so I, the starting point is
1: they're not diplomats. Correct. Right. I okay. could go
2: through all the law and it's very complicated. Give, give us a little in- of it if you could. Uh where where does diplomatic immunity arise from? Right. So it started after the Second World War and as the Cold War came in when um, people were worried that diplomats were being posted to hotspot countries. Dangerous like places. Dangerous. Russia, you know... North Korea, I don't want to single out countries, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, and it, that that was the intention behind the, the convention that was um, called in 1961 in Vienna, when the global community came together and said, these people need protection, they may be in danger, if they get um, bundled into the back of a black van and kidnapped, the governments can go in, slap diplomatic immunity, and get them out of harm, right, it is not a get out of jail free card, if you drive on the wrong side of the road, and take the life of a young man, everybody knows it the two the only the only organizations that are busy defending that position at the moment are the United States government and our government here now, that must irk you and Harry's
1: family enormously because you're, you're suggesting that the UK government is working uh, in cahoots with the US government to deny Harry Dunn's I family justice. I now strongly
2: believe that that is the case. Let them prove otherwise. But why are they defending that position that it's okay for Americans, or any diplomat for that matter, to come here, kill your children, our children, and then let the person go? That is not how it's going to work in the 21st century. And it's not just Harry's family. We're all in danger. There's millions of people out there who know that's the position. And
1: thousands of diplomatic cars. And, then, as, and then we extend from that, thousands of cars it's driven a, it's by a, foreign a, nationals all, who aren't diplomats. It's
2: all about our safety. Now, we all know that collisions happen on the road. But, you know, the Vienna Convention that I've just mentioned specifically says that if you are a diplomat, you are to respect and abide by your host country's rules and regulations. Hmm. End could of you, end of story. I could I could sit here for three hours and spell out the law. But do, that's you, it. do you think you're? I mean, I, I, I hate to
1: politicise it, but it, it, I can't ignore the fact that the UK is desperate for a trade deal with the US. Uh, Huawei. We've seen that that Boris, who's obviously reluctant to withdraw or pull Huawei out of our five G network because we've already committed to it, kit has been built, money has been spent. Apparently, his insistence that Huawei has a minor part to play has irked Donald Trump. You get the feeling that uh, if you then say, well, and we want Anne Sekoulas, that would possibly be a step too far for the president.
2: It's, 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 it's the correct question to ask at this stage. I don't know the answer to that. But if you ask the parents, they're bright people, and you yeah, met yeah, Charlotte yeah. the other day, that is their very deep suspicion. It's my suspicion. And frankly, our, our, the millions of supporters, and I dare say journalists as well, we're all forming our own conclusions... We know. We've asked for disclosure from the government. Um, l- let them prove otherwise. They've refused to do it in every forum that we've asked. If you know, if, really, if they've got I'm nothing dentist. to hide, sit in front of the parents and explain. I yeah. thought Dominic Raab was, was working sort of hand in glove with you in the Well, family. look, we went through a very difficult initial phase with him. Then the general election came and went, and there was a huge charm offensive. It made sense for me to bring the parents and the government onto the same page so that we could attack Donald Trump together, then he wasn't candid with them. Relationships are all about trust. Trust is about the truth. What about the... um... Oh, gosh,
1: that upsets me just thinking. What about the, uh, the video of Sekulis? with her children filling up her car in America. How did that go down with we've the seen, family? We've
2: seen a couple of bits of footage. And, and Matthew, just like you bre- break down, it makes me very upset as well. I've been with Charlotte both times she's seen that footage and it's absolutely floored her because, like us, we can't imagine if I had done this to this somebody just, just moving on it. with my yeah. life. Now, Charlotte still... You'd have to
1: look... The p- you'd have p- to look- Charlotte in the eyes Quite. and say I'm sorry Quite. I didn't mean to do it and but I'm still sorry to this
2: day she's she harbors hope that Anne Sekulis will wake up one day and think you know what it just isn't right to run from justice I've got to go back I've got to meet with Charlotte and talk to him what you know Harry was horrifically injured that night you know the parents want to know what was he saying what was he doing it was about 45 minutes and you know You know, listen, I know what would happen if I was in New York or Washington, hired a car, drove on the wrong side of the road, took some people out and got on the next plane Mm -hmm. back home. They would all be up in arms. We're up in arms. Matthew, she needs to come back and she needs to come back now. Do you think she will ever come back? Um, I mean... Listen,
1: sorry. No, no, you go ahead, because I I think you've got Trump there at the moment, which I imagine is a massive barrier, but he's not going to be there forever. Most people think
2: she won't come back. And, you know, listen, it's my job to represent this family, and that means bringing this lady back. I would not have started it if I wasn't 100% clear that she is coming back. We have moved a mountain. There was no sign of her ever being charged or extradition being sought. And with the help of you guys and the public, we've managed to get to that point, Yeah, I always knew it was going to be rejected. What I can say to your listeners this afternoon is, you know, there are discussions going on in the background. You know, Trump will wake up one day and maybe maybe send her back. Maybe he won't. If we have to wait until Trump goes, that's absolutely fine. The extradition request will never will never go. Trump will go. This will hang over her head forever. If we have to wait until a reasonable administration comes in in Washington and sends her back, that's fine. But, you know, we all want her back now. There is not a shred or ounce of doubt in my mind that she's coming back. Uh, otherwise, I'd be saying to the parents, let's move on. Can, can I ask you, does Charlotte
1: want Anne Sekoulis prosecuted or does she want Anne Sekoulis to look her in
2: the eye and say, I'm sorry? Charlotte very simply wants... Anne to do what you and I would have to do in very similar circumstances, which is present yourself to the authorities and go through the legal process. You will never hear Charlotte saying anything about whether she's guilty or not, or how long she should serve if she is guilty. This is an important point of principle. Whether you're Donald Trump or Anne or anybody, you or me, you... When the worst happens, you present yourself to the authorities, go through the legal system, as painful that, as that is. If we're going to set a precedent now that it's okay for Anne Sekulis to run away, then frankly I'll take my opportunity as well if this happens to me and I'll say, well, good enough for her. It's, we can't let it happen. And that's what Charlotte is um, is advocating for. You, you and
1: the family have done an outstanding job. Uh, it's... When, when you lose a child, there is a... An, An energy, I suppose, that comes from it, which I can see burning strongly in Charlotte. But as I was saying to you and her on on Monday, um, it doesn't take long sometimes for the media to let the story, it starts to become, dare I say it, boring, overly familiar. You're not making you don't get enough headway, et cetera. Are you hopeful you can keep the pressure up over You're already talking about a period of uh, possibly five more years.
2: You know, what's incredible is, you talked to Charlotte, and I and I and I think she mentioned this to you the other day. She made a promise to Harry the yes. night he died that she would get him justice. Now, I know who's going to win this battle. It is the two administrations or Charlotte. You you know she's five foot nothing, but has got the determination of I don't know fifty thousand people. She is not going to give up until she gets justice, and you know she will never break that promise. What's interesting, you know, now is having started the ball rolling. People are doing stuff on their own. You know, there are protests being organized outside the U.S. Embassy that I didn't even know about. You know, people are, you know, motorbikes are, you know, the groups are riding on, you know, places in Washington. I think even if I said to Charlotte now, you know what, I'm exhausted. I need to have a rest. And, you know, the parents are exhausted. uh, This campaign is going to carry on without us. There are so many people now who are so... um, upset by this, that they're just going to do it for us. But we will never rest until this lady's back. Can you
1: tell us a little bit about the son that Charlotte lost? You knew him since he was two years old. What kind of a boy was
2: he? Lovely, happy, bubbly, you know, a leader of a group. So he. he, he, one of the reasons we're so clear about this is he was very principled about about right versus wrong. My earliest memories of him are when he was... Two in you know in the local playgroup. i you know I used to volunteer at the local school, so i'd go on school trips i 've got a very clear memory of you know playing with him and his twin brother Niall, who is absolutely devastated, obviously, <laughs> just you know one of the brightest members of our of our very small community and, and the, the situation that Charlotte and the rest of
1: the family have found themselves in i mean it's it's a tagline to say, but it, it, it must have made a terrible situation that bit worse. It's
2: unimaginable. I mean, I you know, I, I, I obviously spend, you know, many hours a day with these people. They live just up the road from me. I can't begin to imagine what it's like losing a child. Imagine that pain. But then when you're thrown into this mess, you, they were abandoned by the authorities, left to their own devices, told that they had no chance of getting anyone held accountable for harry's loss then they go through all this uh, you know listen it's it's but you met her the other day yeah. it's, it's she's a hero i, I, she's, I, I, she's, I don't know she's how she does it. i don't know how she gets up in the morning uh, uh, precisely she's a hero she needs to come out and teach you and i how to deal with adversity what, what about our prime minister our charismatic prime minister have you had much face time with him you know that's the most disappointing thing in all this even donald trump as clumsy as he was Sat down with Charlotte, held her hand. You're not going to head. tell me you haven't seen Boris Johnson, though. I've asked many, many times, Matthew. You are joking. Many, many times. I don't want to politicise this. I'm, you know, I I just don't know him at all. You know, I, I've been told by senior cabinet members that they will arrange meetings with him. Senior cabinet members have said you are entitled to see Mr. Johnson, and we will arrange that. He has I, I'm, half, at least half a dozen times I've asked. He, he's running from us. He doesn't, unlike you, you had the courage the other day to sit down with Charlotte, look her in the eye, put your arm around her and and, and help her. And she's so grateful for that. He, I don't believe he's got the, the, the moral courage or fiber to do it. I think he knows that there are some very, and I will look, as you can tell, everybody knows me by now, I will look you directly in the eye and I will hold you to account. I don't think he's got the courage to face us. What the hell went on and why isn't he demanding a review of the diplomatic immunity position. Let's improve road safety so this never happens again. Heads buried in the sand, Matthew. And I, look, I, I don't want to politicise it, but I am absolutely sick to death of asking him to meet with us. You are caught in a political situation, so yes. it is inevitable you will have to. I am
1: aghast that our Prime Minister hasn't met Charlotte. I'm absolutely Should aghast. Are. If only because I thought um, is quite like a good publicity opportunity consoling a grieving mother i would have thought would have been a a good political move and and it would have given it would give charlotte so much comfort i have to say
2: and you could you could could legitimately say matthew you know he's got lots on his plate sure i have been told by senior cabinet members that harry dunn is the number one item on the agenda because it's about our safety it's about the the relationship you know, he seems to find time to do, you know, friendly interviews on BBC Breakfast and whatever. He, he can make time for Charlotte, and he should do. And if he, and if he continues to run from this, it's a disgrace. Rad Seiger, you're doing an
1: extraordinary... Oh, you're, too, you're doing an extraordinary job. And if you enjoyed all of that, make sure you tune in to The Matthew Wright Show with Kevin O'Sullivan every
2: weekday from 1
1: on Talk Radio.